Uh, welcome to episode six. Thanks very much for listening to the Professional uh, Insiders. Uh, Professor Insight. Uh, my name is Brandon Curry. Josh Bond. Jeff Collins. Trevor Lindy. And uh, thanks very much uh, for all the feedback, the shares, the tweets, the likes, the all, all that stuff. We've had a ton of questions. Um, but we'll start off with Trevor uh, at this one. Trevor, uh, you had a question come in. Yeah, um, so uh, basically around insured, insurable, and conventional. Uh, so when you walk whoa. into your bank now... Just mortgages. 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 100% mortgage related. Uh, a couple of years ago when government started making some changes, they uh, we used to have simply insured mortgages, so putting down less than 20%. And if you're putting down 20% or more, you had a conventional mortgage. Uh, a couple of years ago, government makes some changes. And now yeah, we've government. got, yeah, we've got insured, insurable, and conventional mortgages. So where this can impact you is depending on what type of property we're talking about. So a principal residence, a secondary home, uh, those, you know, in an instance where you're putting down 20%, they are... Uh, insurable in those cases, but a rental property, single unit rental property is uh, uninsurable. So does that mean like a, a two unit? So uh, with, with multifamily, multifamily homes, uh, lenders do have the ability to insure. Uh, I guess where I can kind of go from this is talking of, or specifying what it means to be insurable. So balance sheet lenders, banks, credit unions, they have the ability to lend money based on the money they have on deposit. Whereas we've got a lot of monoline lenders out there in the country, MCAP First National to name a couple. And the, the way that they have the ability to secure money is by insuring or securitizing their book of business. So having an insurable mortgage, meaning qualifying based on standard terms that have been set forward by the government, it is now, uh, they are able to go and have that bulk insured on the back end. So now, uh, just to clarify too, there's different rates, uh, yes. mortgage rates. So if you there want to touch is. on that, because I've been like, that's confusing. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've noticed I say so a lot in these episodes. I'm going to try and stop that anyways. So, so exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. I, to start the best mortgage rate that you're going to get is by putting down less than 20% on a house. An insured mortgage is going to be the very best. The reason that is the best rate is from a cost perspective for the banks, credit unions, and monoline lenders is the default insurers, CMHC, Canada Guarantee, and Genworth are protecting their book of business for them. Uh, it's a client paid insurance premium. So that's where you're going to get the very best rate. So I find that interesting, actually, the, you put down less and you get a better, better borrowing rate. For the most part. So you almost get punished if you have lots of money put down. Well, that being said, though, the second best uh, mortgage rate that you can get is if you're putting down 35% or more. The reason behind that is an insurable mortgage for a lender is they pay premiums based on the loan to value. Just like yourself, when you're putting down 5% on the house, your highest premium is going to be at 5%. Then you put down 10%, it's going to be a little bit lower, 15%, you know, 20% and so on. So there we go. Well, that's interesting because for years and years, I've told clients the magic Whatever. number is 20% down to buy and really it's... 
35%, right? You know what? That It used to be the case. 20% absolutely because of the cost that you're saving. It was worthwhile. We had the exact same interest rate. So Because you had no mortgage insurance when you were less than, when you were 20%. When right? you were 20%. No CMHC, un- but CMHC still took the risk yeah. off of the bank where that got legislated out that anything that's over 20%, they're basically saying no. Uh, financial institutions, you have to be on the hook for those mortgages now. So yeah, technically CMHC is only one of the insurers, right? One, yeah, as, as an, yeah. Most people know CMHC because they are the crown corporation, Correct. but uh, we do have two independent or two private uh, default insurer companies in Canada. Premiums are all the same. Doesn't matter which one you go to. So if you put down 20% versus 35%, you'll have a better rate at 35% Correct. than 20? Correct. Can yeah. you give us a, Trev, just... A loose example of just say on a three hundred thousand dollar property, um, if I'm putting twenty percent down versus like versus thirty five percent, yeah. So and let me fifty percent. Why don't I pull up a rate sheet? I'll pull up a rate sheet, be able to take a quick look at that, and give you guys an idea. Uh, bear with me for just one. Yeah, minute. perfect. I, yeah, my, okay, perfect. My intention awesome. is not to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. So just to give you an idea here, uh, going to my trusty friends over at MCAP. I really like doing a lot of business with them. But to give you an idea, if we are talking an insured five-year fixed right now. So a lot of people... What's standard, the date there, Trev? Say the date on this one yeah. is May 3rd, two th- uh, sorry, 12.01 a.m. that okay. they came into effect. Okay. So that being said, uh, uh, the standard fixed they're offering is 3.64%. So this is with 5% down? Five, less than 20%. Le- so whether, whether you do 15, 10, doesn't matter. As soon as you put 20% down, their insurable purchase or transfer rate that they're offering right now is 3.89%. Okay. They do have another product, lower rates, so on. And, you know, anyways, now all of a sudden you put down uh, 60, 35% down. So you're 65% loan to value. They're actually offering 3.64% as well. Basically, the, the interest rates that they're offering are, are almost, well, in this case, they're identical between an insured or an insurable at that loan to value. Yeah, and here's the, here's the funny thing. So that's if you're purchasing. But if I'm refinancing and I have a ton of equity in the home, that doesn't count as my 35%. If I've got no. more, right. So a refinance so a refi right is now. is completely different than a, we're talking purchasing. Yes, purchases and transfers. So a refinance is an uninsurable transaction. A rental property is an uninsurable transaction. And as an example with MCAP, because I'm staring at the rate sheet right now, you'd be looking at 4.09% for a uninsurable purchase. Regardless of what you put down. Regardless of what you put down. Yes. In theory, you're putting down 20% more in those. What's a transfer for all those that are listening? A transfer would be, I have my mortgage over at institution A Mm -hmm. and... I'm shopping it around. I'm trying to get myself a better rate. I'm not looking for any new money. I have not refinanced my mortgage at any point. And I look at transferring it over to a new lender. I would be entitled to either their insurable transfer rates or their insured transfer rates. Cool. So okay. hopefully right. that, uh, that clarifies that so or answers those questions. Changes, so you better talk to an expert. Talk, Absolutely. Talk to a broker. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking and you know what? The, the benefit of talking to a broker versus talking to a bank is we know. We could do a whole podcast. Well, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> Just touching on the fact that, you know, when you're dealing with the bank or the credit union, they're not really looking at things in the same perspective 
as a broker strategically to essentially put you in a good financial position for years to come. So contact your broker. 100%. Okay. Um, and then there was, uh, oh yeah, there was a, there was a question about, um, uh, we got into, you know, what was sparked? It was because, uh, oh, thank you. Got me back. <laughs> um, nice. so back in, uh, so as we know, back in 1968, RFK got, uh, assassinated and that's what sparked this conversation. So basically then they, they, uh, Robert. F. Kennedy okay. uh, got assassinated, and GFK so was a bit <laughs> uh, back in May of 1968. So, anyways, what stopped is because then there was an article published that if the if JFK and RFK were alive today, they would be true multi-billionaires, um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, basically that is what uh, this person turned around and said, "How is that even possible?" You know, they made a Trump reference. I'm like, no, they'd actually be actual billionaires. And, you know, where did they get their money from? And I just basically So not said, paper, not paper billionaires. Yeah, not paper billionaires, <laughs> actual billionaires. And I said, well, I go, it's funny that you said that. I go, do you know where uh, Joe Kennedy, the father, actually, you know, got all of his money from? And it was, an, it, it was bootlegging, essentially, is where he got his initial money. Prohibition? At, uh, yeah, before Prohibition, he actually had the rights to... Um, to uh, Gordon's Gin, actually. Well, you got enough booze back there uh, to bootleg, so let's just yeah, start so, doing that. Um, huh. Basically, is where he had the rights, and then he, you know, you know, back in those days, pre-prohibition. Then he made his money in the stock market pre-1929. He It was before there was anything such as insider trading. Um, and ironically, he got some tips, and then he sold before the market crash of 1929. And... Ironically, then got appointed uh, head of the SEC when it was formed in 1934. So <laughs> since then, the family really hasn't done anything besides politics. They haven't really done anything like started any major corporations or anything of that nature that would uh, justify their wealth. Robert right. was a legal beagle, though, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, Robert Robert was. Yeah, he was the attorney general. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they all had great positions in government, but nothing like they, nothing that people would be like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to be billionaires. Same with the Rockefellers. They really ha- they've held assets, but they've got an inheritance tax in the United States. Yeah. Uh, we have an estate tax when you die in, in Or in a Canada. probate fee, or, right? And, and, no, there's tax on the entire estate on, at, at your marginal tax rate. Oh, yes. Wait, right? yep. Then there's the probate tax. Yeah. The, that, yeah. That's going to be another episode altogether. <laughs> so, But you can give us some secrets on how to save money for our estate, right? Uh, yeah, I can definitely get into that. That's so that's what led the, to the question. They're like, well, then how can they be um, multi-billionaires? I want life insurance. That family, there's, you can Google it. There's <clears> articles <throat> all around it. That family uses whole life life insurance like there is no tomorrow. It is absolutely insane. That's how they pass wealth from one generation to the next because it's an absolute, it's a contract. Once you take out that life insurance contract, it can't be broken. Even if government changes the laws or changes the tax laws, which they just did back in 2016, as we all know, mm-hmm. on whole life, mm-hmm. um, any previous contracts written before December 31st, they are enshrined and then what we what call grandfathered. And so it's something that I, you know, I did for, for my son uh, and daughter. Um, we, uh, both took out, uh, we, we chose a nominal amount of, uh, you know, I'll share with everybody a hundred thousand dollar whole life par policy. And basically, essentially that will keep growing and it'll be paid off by the time he's 20. I've got a 20 pay on, on, on that policy. 
But by the time he's, you know, God willing, he's in his 60s, 70s, and 80s, that 100000 has grown with cash value. It's grown to a multi-million dollar uh, policy, which will, that will be, if he has children or she has children, will be left to my grandchildren. And that's exactly how the Rockefellers and the Kennedys keep passing their wealth on because it's indexed to inflation. Everything's indexed. So, yeah, a million and a half, 100000 today is a lot of money. But it won't be 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. It'll be the equivalent of probably 1.5, you know, $1 you gotta, million. You've you got to explain this better in layman's terms. Yeah. Explain hmm. me. How, how is this money going to grow? Kid, how much it costs? Okay, how long so it goes? a whole life policy. Realtor terms. Yeah, so a PAR policy is, is, <laughs> it stands for participating policy. And what happens is, is we take your, your payments. Part of it goes to the cost of insurance, and then part goes into funds. Like so this is an investment. Investment. One year old or less. Yep. Oh, it can, you can do it any time. Kids get spit out, boom. Here's the 30 days policy. old. 30 days okay. old. So, so with these policies, there's an investment piece yes. and, a, and, a, and a death benefit piece. Correct. And so the investment piece... That's where people don't want to talk. Yeah. Well, they don't, yeah. but at the end of the yeah. day, the probability is I won't use it, God willing, <laughs> right? But... Um, the dividend can be, you know, you know, four, five, six, seven percent. It, it's gone all the way up to double digits before, back in the eighties, sure. and so it's 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 basically to how the markets are performing. That dividend then gets returned back to the policy, and you can elect to purchase more life insurance, more whole life life insurance that keeps getting added on to the policy. So put put this in my 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 life perspective. Yes. I've got a son who's eight years old. Yes. Ryder. Yes. And I've got another son who's six years old, Colby. Yes. What would I do? Well, if you were to take it I'm, out... I'm late pretty much, but I can... No, you're not. No, right no, now. no. They're cheap as chips under the age of 10. Like, But okay. but yeah. remember, with every investment, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut off. It's 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 yeah, yeah. time. It's <laughs> I kind of did. It's time in the market, not right. timing the market, right? Yeah, so the right. longer you are, that's a good way you've got it. your policy, you know, the, the more beneficial it would be or the earlier it is right? that's right yeah yeah so it's, it's obviously right so i mean uh, braxton being three months old and me me taking it out on him same when i did with hartley time in the market and compounding it just keeps buying and buying and buying and buying and buying is obviously going to be worth more than colby's when he so starts at what's eight what's the difference of a price of, of a, a, a term for a 30 day old child versus an eight year old child very little well, very little. So assuming well, no, assuming little though. Uh, like for example, I, I would have a uh, I've got a twenty pay, hundred thousand dollar policy on Braxton, and it's one hundred and forty four dollars a month okay. uh, for the next twenty years, and then it's fully paid, fully paid. I never paid another dime, and I just give it to my son, and that's it. It's a, it's a I can gift you it. Prepay this stuff. At all? Oh yeah, you can yeah. prepay everything. You can do limited pay. There's tons so of different five options. Five grand down a year, whatever, until you're paid up. Yeah, you can so overpay the policy. One hundred forty four a month times twenty years. Yep, times twelve. And that's, yeah. that's the cost. Of and then, does and it then, go up yearly with inflation? Nope. At all, or that's, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's the whole point of par. So the sooner you do it. Yeah. So but, he would but, be maybe 200 bucks a month, something like that. But I'd have to run the numbers. Again, and I don't know if this is with a corporate uh, a slant to it, but you have to watch out for uh, an MTAR line, which is which is that's probably only with, another... Yeah, that's only with universal discussion. life okay. uh, policies. You do have to worry about the MTAR line. Okay, um, okay. realtor talk again. What's again, an MTAR? So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's a whole other problem. Yeah, so basically that's what changed <laughs> in the last... week 12. Yeah, yeah, that's what changed in the last, uh, in, in the last um, uh, 2016 tax changes is that the, is the line where money sitting in the policy, this is in very basic layman's terms, so if anyone's listening that's an accountant, just please forgive me, um, the MTAR line was how much cash can sit in there tax-free. Mm-hmm. And then once you, wa- once you went over that line of growth, 
then CRA would start taxing that universal life policy, okay. the, the growth. But um, that got lowered back in 2016. I don't have a universal mm -hmm. life policy. I just have a whole life participating policy on my children. I just pay fixed rates and then I'm done. It's done. So basically 20 years you're planning. 20 to years I'm done. So if they're eight years old, is it till they're 28 or is it eight years old till no. they're 20? No, 28, till they're 28. So you can 20 do, years you, you can do a 10 pay. Okay, you so can do, cost more basically. Yeah, that's right. It's basically just taking a lifetime of, of, of what would be normally, that policy probably would be like 50 or $60 yep. a month till the day they die, and you're just compressing it all into, into 20 years, right? Is, is this a tax write-off? Uh, it is not. Oh, okay. it I was thinking the exact same but, thing. That's but a I think, question, too. But, but I think if you buy through a corporate health, uh, you can defer your taxes you, so on the growth, right? De depend uh, on the growth, on the growth within yes. the policy. So that is where, um, if it's held within a corp, because corps don't qualify for tax-free savings accounts. So we have a lot of corporations using universal life policies within their corporations <clears throat> as as a savings vehicle. That is 100% correct, Josh. But it is not a tax write-off because correct. the only way that life insurance is a tax write-off is if it's if it's used as uh, a beneficiary to get money, like for a bank. Like if you're using it to buy, buy a multi-million dollar home, like like if you're buying lots of land for building and the bank wants life insurance on it to, to insure it, mm -hmm. um, and the bank becomes an irrevocable beneficiary, and that's because you, you need that to get financing, then that life insurance is a tax write-off. Because you're forced to, essentially. Because you're forced to do it due to, due to financing. Okay, let's get back on track here then. So I've got a kid who's six, a kid who's eight, and I do the 20 years of purchases for that. Yeah. How do they get the money in the future with estate planning? The the men the minute that you you you're done as yeah. the father, assuming you live that long and you know all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, um, you then just assign ownership to the child. Okay. But now the policy, if I, if I understand correct, the policy that you are buying on your children is really intended for your grandchildren. It's yeah, it's for your grandchildren. It's to pass wealth on to the next generation. Okay, elaborate on that then. Well, because the death benefit is on Braxton, my son. So okay. when Braxton dies, that's when the benefit. The, the so say he dies 80 years old in the future. It goes to his beneficiary. A child who's 55 years old at that time. Right, they get the benefit. So let's let's sum this all up from a financial point of view. Uh huh. You got $150 a month today's for 20 years. Today's dollars, yeah. 20 years. Yep. So at the end of that, how much money is that approximately? Uh, it'd be 20... Oh, yeah. 12, four, no, 400... I did the math. Did the, You want to do that, Josh, quickly? Yeah, I'll run it. So, 144 times 12 times 20. So Wasn't it 35? I thought no. we were talking about it. 35,000? That you put out of your oh, pocket. Oh, yeah, I think it's yeah. like 35. 34,560. Yeah, so, so I've paid. The cost of this policy is 35,000 out of pocket. My, my money, for, yeah. For each child, right? Uh huh. Each child. So they turn, say in my case, 28 years old. Uh huh. My son's 20, I've paid out $35,000. That's correct. And, and the I'm, death benefit will always be $100,000. So that stays in there forever, basically. Ever. And he doesn't that, make any more payments on that. Uh huh. But does, does it, it still accumulate well? Uh huh. That, that, so it's basically a, a That's savings. That's right. Is it kind of like a dividend that grows? That's right. It's a dividend. Uh, and this right now, our dividend right now is 6.25%. So when do they get that money? So there's two ways that he can access that cash. Yeah. Uh, when he's alive, yep. he can borrow against the policy. He can walk right into a bank, show them the life insurance is fully paid up, and the bank will lend against that policy. That's okay. one way. Two, he can call up Sun Life and go, hey, I want to borrow that $100,000 of cash that's sitting there. And Sun Life will lend them the hundred grand of cash. It just comes off the death benefit that has accumulated up until that point. So Ryder's eight years old. 
Mm-hmm. It turns 28, I put $35,000 in it. How much is that $35,000 I put into there worth probably at 28? Depends on it's yeah, it depends. It depends. Like that's we have, crystal we, ball that's crystal bar. We 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 forecasted at a dividend. Than 100. Yeah, oh yeah, you've got yeah. some kind of forecast. Oh yeah, we've got a forecasting model. It's all it's all in your policy. What was your forecasting? Uh, at the end of twenty years, I think they had something like twenty six thirty thousand uh, dollars in cash yeah. and about two hundred thousand dollars in death benefit. Okay, is what Braxton would have. And then, so he then, at the age of 20, 25, going to school, he could borrow that twenty six grand to go to school. He could want to, wants to buy a house, he can borrow that $26,000, $30,000 to put down on a home. And if I understand it correctly, they're never really forced to repay that. No, because as long as they're paying fair market uh, that's cor- in, interest on it. That's right? correct. It's, it's fair market interest on that and just comes off the death benefit. Yeah, once, once they pass away. Once they pass away, which at that time, but the dividends keep paying and they, yep. they just keep accumulating. So, it's so you're fun. saying eight years old, I started doing it. It's 28 wow. years old. I put in 35000 It's worth maybe $100,000 at that point? Or what are you saying after 20 years? Uh, the, the death benefit? No, no, the other part of that. The oh, the, it just stays at thirty five. Yeah, your cash? Yeah. Yeah, your cash just stays in there, just keeps it growing and growing and growing. So and does growing. Sun Life kind of invest that at Yeah, all? that's right. Okay. That's the dividend. So yep. what would a forecast of $35,000 invested at that point be at? Uh, I would have to have numbers in front of me. because If I can actually open the email that had it attached, just... Uh, yeah, you mind? Cause I'm, I'm that, trying. I'm trying. Yeah. There we go. But it, but his benefit would be to keep it in there until he's older and older and older. And then yeah, you can use it in retirement. Like, I think... Well, I, I well, know, well really... If you, if, you, if, you, if you have one, he's going to get yours when you pass away. That's right. Okay. His is genuinely intended for his, for his kids. Okay. That, that, that's the, the whole generally, generational. And that's how the Kennedys do it. That's how the Rockefellers and do it. And when you get in early, you're not, for the most part, unless really unfortunate, worried about the kid's health. Right? So all of these things keep the premiums low. Because he's healthy. They're healthy okay. Right? So here on that form, after 20 years... The total amount, uh, the total death benefit. So the guaranteed death benefit plus the total death benefit is one hundred ninety-two nine twenty-one. At what, how old? Uh, in this case, at age twenty. At age twenty. Because you. And what's you the know, cash value? The cash value is thirty thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight dollars. That's, that's at so age much twenty. Basically, been put at age twenty. At that point, right? Yeah. So. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You've put in 35. Five has gone to pay for the cost of insurance over all that time. You've got 30 sitting in there in cash. You've got $200,000 in death benefit. It just keeps growing and so growing. So close, and growing. right? There, there still is a little cost to it. I mean, in this example, you know, with calculated... It's a savings account. You're putting 35 or 36 in. You'll have 30000 cash that you're allowed to, to borrow against. Yeah. And then you've got a death benefit. That's right. That's at almost 200000 Okay. Okay. Interesting. So everyone, uh, if you have more questions about that, just uh, please reach out, text us, whatever, and we'll 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 tackle that again. It's very complicated because, but we want to get into these complicated things. This is is what we this is what we do really really well. It's for your family. It's for your family. It's important. But uh, Trevor, how do they share, like, and all that kind of stuff? iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Thanks very much, everybody. Keep the questions coming. Take care. Out. Hi, I'm Emily Roger. And I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. 
The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.